everyone, and welcome to Real Life, the podcast from NVAR. I'm your host, Steve Russell. Today's the first episode of a mini-series, Reimagine Replay, where we will feature brief recaps of a few convention sessions. With over 100 sessions in a three-week period, it was nearly impossible to catch every convention program, and we don't want you to miss out on all the amazing content our speakers and panelists had to share. We hope you enjoy these brief recaps and that you take advantage of the opportunity to watch all convention sessions on our YouTube channel. Today's recap will feature Steve Murray from Real Trends in a CEO to CEO series with NVAR CEO Ryan McLaughlin. Real Trends is a publishing and communications company considered to be a leading source of analysis and information of the residential real estate industry. Steve is the president and owner of Real Trends and earned his credibility by having been in the residential real estate field since 1977. Steve has served dozens of state and local realtor associations and MLS organizations in a consulting capacity and has consulted with several large technology firms over the years. So let's jump right into Ryan's first question for Steve. Um, You know, you do a lot of work with with brokerages. Uh, How have they been reacting from what you're seeing and you're working with them across the country? How have they been reacting and, and, you know, kind of buzzword here, pivoting? during the pandemic to really stay afloat and to be successful? I mean, are you seeing things like consolidations and buyouts and and just different technologies? What are you seeing? Yeah, well, first, let's say that um, what we just experienced in 2020 was the biggest zig and zag in my 43 years in the industry. Uh, You know, you had a sharp, a sharp downdraft in housing sales from mid-March to mid-May that scared brokers and agents to death universally. It was kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, you you have 20 plus million people out of work. You have the economy collapsing. You know, nobody quite knows what's going to happen. We started working with brokers in mid-March when we saw this coming, uh, advising to reduce costs, get more focused on their agents, taking care of their people as the main things to focus on. Surprisingly, then, to all of us, in mid-May, in some states, most states, mid-May, we started to see this big pickup. And by early to mid-June, we had a, a thunderous recovery, just blowing through all projections of what was going to happen. Um, <laughs> something that we have never, in all my years, or no one's ever seen a housing market Go, go down like that and then up like that and blow through all previous records by July and August. Um, yes, consolidation is happening at, at a far more rapid pace than we've ever seen in our 33 years of merger and acquisition work. We have two and a half times the volume of valuations and merger and acquisition assignments than we've ever had before in our entire 33 years. It's just amazing. So, you know, we started, what what do we notice brokers are doing? And we both, through our CEO forums and our consulting work and our general um, research of what people are doing, we also, for instance, do a quarterly broker sentiment report. 160 to 200 brokers feed us their views of, of what they're doing, what they've done, and what they see ahead. First of all, almost every leading broker in the country has gone, obviously, much more virtual, virtual with their company communications, virtual with their meetings, virtual with their education and training. 
everything has basically gone to Zoom or other platforms as a means of staying in touch and staying close to their people, depending on what state you're in and how much interaction you can have with people personally and how much is advisable. Most brokers, by the way, think that leads to another step, which is a great reduction in physical office space. A lot of brokerage companies are are cutting back, uh, are walk are getting out of leases, reducing their space. And by the way, most brokers knew and have known for years that most of their office space was wasted. It was underutilized. Agents started going remote a decade ago. This is just kind of okay. Now we see the people can work remote. Let's let's just cut back because it's a it's the second second largest corporate expense a broker has is their space. The first is their employment cost. So we're seeing a big shift, uh, Ryan, from a lot of retail losses to fewer from large retail offices to smaller ones, and a lot more education, communications, et cetera, being done virtually. One of the key discussion points covered by Ryan and Steve was Zillow's shift in business model and what the impact will be for realtors. Something that's on everybody's mind right now, they're reading the headlines about what's happening with Zillow. Um, you know, kind of their shift in, it may be a shift in a business model. Maybe it's not a shift. Maybe it's what they've always intended to do. There's some controversy around that. You know, what, what do you, what is your take on what it is they're actually doing and, and what, do you, what effect do you think it's going to have on, you know, the agents ability to do business? So let me give everybody listening an analogy first. Um, most of us use Amazon uh, for something for buying stuff um, or getting video, whatever. Um, imagine, however, if um, you bought stuff at Amazon, but Amazon said, you know, uh, you're going to have to go to a fulfillment center to pick it up. We, we don't, sorry, we can't deliver it. We call that the last mile, right? Amazon, you see what they're doing now. Uh, Amazon, here's the analogy. Amazon was using UPS, FedEx, and United States Postal System for that last mile. Amazon had the storefront. They had this incredible interaction with consumers, be able to find stuff and buy stuff and and keep track of their orders. But Amazon had to rely on others for the last mile of service, which is actually getting it to us. Right now, let's go to Zillow. And we've written about this in the past, Ryan. Zillow has this, what they consider to be the best online experience of any real estate website, any portal. There they are, 150 or 180 million unique visitors a month, whatever the number is. <clears throat> and boom, and they and they great satisfaction, <clears throat> pardon me, with Zillow's website and everything's great. And people get excited and they go, you know, I found four homes and now... I want to get an agent and go look at these homes. And then Zillow has premier agent program. And then they kind of morphed into their concierge program. And they're now referring customers. But here's the deal. For for Zillow, the last mile is they get these customers excited. And now they got to depend on agents to deliver 
the real service, the personal service, right? And, and, you know, I remember talking to some of their executives three years ago or so. They sat there and just looked at me and said, do you realize that 70, I think it was 71% of the people that get referred to an agent who make inquiries of an agent off the Zillow.com site never get a response. It'd be like Amazon saying, oh, you can order it, but we don't actually have a way to get it to you. We go, well, that's ridiculous. So Zillow is doing what Zillow needs to do as a start. This will not be the end point for them. Trust me. It will not be the end point. That's a powerful analogy. Uh, I've never thought about it that way, but that puts it into perspective. It's that last mile. And I, I've heard that similar kind of, not really even anecdotes, but the data with, with other portals like Realtor.com who generate leads. They send these highly qualified leads to agents and they're not responding to them in a timely way. And that is not only bad experience for the consumer, but it's a bad experience for Realtor.com. You know, then they become less relied upon. And I guess Zillow's kind of looking at at the same kind of thing. Well, that's interesting. So it, it's, you know, one of the, when I read it, when I learned about it, it seemed to me like, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it. It seemed to me basically what they were becoming is just another brokerage business model. You know, it, their model is hire agents, you know, as employees, maybe like a Redfin or another kind of company. We have a great online presence like a Redfin. And now they're going to join MLSs. They're going to join associations you know, do we bring them into the tent, into the fold? I mean, how, how, how do, do we embrace that? If, I just looked at it as kind of simple, but maybe there's more layers to this that I'm missing. You can't, first of all, you can't stop them, right? There's, there's no regulatory means I can think of that an MLS or an association of realtors or a state, if Zillow uh, does, takes all the, the, the required steps to become a licensed broker in the state of Virginia or wherever it might be, follows all the rules and has its own brokerage, you can't, there's no way to stop them from becoming a full-blown member of the MLS and the associations at all levels. But just, you know, it's, it's, they will become part of our more natural fabric. I will, I I tell people this, I said, you know, I, I, you get, you can see where Zillow's going. But what to me, what's interesting is you say, okay, let's let's jump ahead, and let's suppose Zillow now opens brokerages in a hundred key markets around the country, and they take all their referral traffic, all of that in house, all of it in house. Okay, boom, done. Uh, now they got their own agents. Maybe they're independent contractors. Maybe they're employees like Redfin. And by the way, or like Zip Realty was 20 years ago, which was the forerunner to Redfin. And then you stop and think, well, so if having a powerful web presence and having your own agents were the secret to success long term, to not only growth, which they've had, but profitability, which they haven't, then we go look at Redfin. And we look at Redfin, who's been out about as long as Zillow, maybe a bit longer, I'm not sure exactly, but close to 13 years for both of them. And Redfin, after after the investment of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in that 13-year span, and offering 
both lower commissions in some markets and rebates in some markets and doing all this and having an enormously good website. And I don't know, last I looked, 30 million unique visitors a month. Boom, 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 boom. And yet last year or the last 12 months, Zillow or pardon me, Redfin closed about 50 something thousand transactions. Now, to put that in perspective, the whole market this year is going to be between 12 and 13 million transaction sites, both new and existing home sales. 12 million. And Redfin did 50,000. After 13 years and hundreds of millions of dollars invested. Zillow, they go down that path. Look, they'll get a share of the market. They will if they go down the path. The big questions are how big a share, which is what scares everybody. Oh, my God, they're going to become, you know, this and that. But what I like to come back to is basically some research we've done for the last 18 years with Harris Insights, one of the best research firms in in the U.S. We've had them do recent buyer and seller research going back to 2001. All kinds of stuff in this research, but we've done this, used the same questions over 17 years. Here's some key facts. The usage of agents, the last time we did it was 2018, about two years ago. The usage of agents was at an all-time high. 90% of consumers used an agent when they bought or sold a home in the prior six months. Two, millennial and Gen X buyers and sellers actually used agents 92% of the time. And last, which is critical to this discussion, Ryan, about Zillow and Redfin, about two-thirds of all consumers found their agent because they knew one or someone they know referred them. Two-thirds of housing consumers, after all that's happened in the last 20 years with technology and data, et cetera, et cetera, they're still finding agents the way they always have. Now, might that change in the future? Certainly it will. How big a change? No one knows. But it seems clear, at least so far, the great majority of consumers want to deal with an agent that they know or with whom they have a relationship of some kind. When we ask customers <coughs> what, what matters most to them in terms of a, the attributes of an agent, every time we've done the study, about every, I think we've done it five times now in 17 years, every time we've done it, Trust is the number one thing. Trust. Trust. Not that they have a great brand name, not that they have the best technology, not that they found them through a website, but that they were able to build a trust relationship with the agent as they went through the process of buying or selling a home. Zillow and Redfin can build good businesses. And they are going to have a good share of the market. Whether they can make it profitable, that's a big question mark. They haven't so far. But that's where they're going. But what they can't overcome is that the American housing consumer overwhelmingly still prefers to deal with someone they know. 
It really is all about trust. Just a little plug, we actually cover this topic frequently in our Realtor 007 class here at NVAR because we know a key way to establish trust is your online web presence. We also taught a Realtor 007 class at convention, which you can watch on our YouTube channel. Let's close out this reimagine recap with a final point where Ryan asks Steve how agents and brokerages can position themselves to be as successful and build their share of the market in the future. You know, I try to I try to find ways to keep things as simple as possible um, in for brokers and agents. And, you know, the, the best brokers will chuckle what I'm going to share and top agents and teams do the same thing. <clears throat> this really isn't a complicated business. The one of the wonderful things about our industry is, you know what? You don't need a master's degree to become a very successful agent. You really don't. You have to have work, work ethic and you need to have a plan. But what we tell brokerage companies is this. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what model, what brand, does not matter. Uh, we know from our own research that the quality of the leadership of a brokerage is what determines the success and fate of that brokerage company. The, the number one factor. That doesn't mean that a good brand name or a good tech platform aren't important. But the most important is the quality of the leadership. And what should leaders of brokerage companies be focused on? Three things. And if you don't do these three things, you can't be successful as a brokerage. It's, it's black and white, right? Number one, you have to be able to recruit talent. If you want to say recruit agents, fine. But you have to recruit employees too. recruit talent. Number one. Number two, you have to pour resources, and most importantly, your time, into developing that talent. If it's your staff, develop their skills, they're, they're working together, common vision, common goals. If they're agents, how do they become better agents? How do they build a practice? So recruit talent, develop talent, last, try to figure out a way to do those things and spend less money than you have coming in, also known as make a profit. And for a brokerage company, I just simplified it. But if you're not doing those three things well, you probably don't have a lot of future. And you can have, by the way, different models, different brands, different size of brokerage. You can, you can decide that for yourselves, but you have to be able to do those three things. Now let's go to agents and teams. What's different? Nothing much. You have to know how to reach out to people. That would be called, if you will, recruiting customers and clients. You have to find a way to engage them and build a relationship with them. And there's, look, there's some of the finest teachers and coaches in the industry. Larry Kendall of Ninja, Tom, my friend, Tom Ferry, my friends at Buffini, and, and, and Keller Williams has an enormous in-house coaching and training program. Remax, I mean, they all basically have some really good programs, as do independent brokers. But an agent needs to say, I am going to commit myself to building a business in this industry. And you have to start with what can I offer that will attract clients and customers? Two, you have to develop your skills. In our research with top teams and individuals, we find the best men and women in this industry, whether they're individuals or teams, they are constant learning machines. They're always trying to how to improve 
their craft, if you will, their trade, their profession. So there's that number two, developing your talent. And third, the best of them know how to develop cash flows in such a way as they have money to reinvest in the first and the second steps, right? So they reinvest in how do I reach out and reach more clients, potential clients and customers. And by the way, some people do that by buying ads and 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 uh, placement on Zillow and Realtor.com and other sites. Other people use direct mail. Other use other people use door knocking. How quaint! I I could tell too many stories. Many of you listening, I've met enormous, hugely successful agents that just they built a plan. I remember talking to a young woman in the middle of the last downturn in 08, 9, and 10 who built a great practice. And I said, well, tell me how you did that. She said, well, I uh, I took all the floor time I could at my office. I held open houses for other agents who didn't want to do it on the weekends. And I built a database of people in the community that I knew and built my sphere of influence. And I said, well, is that it? And she looked at me. She said, is there something else I should be doing? You know, I wasn't really questioning. <laughs> so for agents and brokers, it's kind of the same basic things. And the great thing about our industry is there's nothing standing in your way. Nothing. You heard it here. There is nothing standing in your way. And there are endless opportunities for realtors in today's market. You can watch the rest of this session on YouTube and stay tuned for our next Reimagine Recap. See you next time.